Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This podcast is produced on Anchor, where you can record, edit, and publish all from your smartphone. You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter's box. Welcome back and thank you for joining us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. This is everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, and there's been a little tournament that has been running the past week or so. And when I say little, it seems to be everybody's favorite. It's been going strong for 72 years, and it is the Worthington Semi-Pro Tournament. And I am joined by Gary Langle who runs that tournament, and he is here to give us a preview of the championship game and to talk about the tournament so far. So, Gary, let's talk about the history of the Worthington tournament. It's been around for 72 years. Has there been a fan that has gone to every single tournament where they have been to one game at every single year, do you think, or or has not many people live that long well first off um coach Manman, thanks for having me on we always like to promote our tournaments as well as the other tournaments i think that's kind of the highlights of each team's seasons and in regard to your question um i know one guy that has been at every one of the 72 worthington tournaments except for one and um he was in the service at that time and that's a, a dear, dear friend of mine. It's Dick Schneer. Um, he sits up in the, in the announcing booth with me every game and does the scoreboard, and he never misses a pitch. And um, I was amazed when he told me that a couple of years ago, that he had only missed one year of the tournament, and that's when he was in the service. So that's pretty impressive. And thanks to him for his service, and I think he gets a pass. Now, I know there's Wayne Schneer. Is there a connection there? Actually, there is. Uh, Wayne is a year younger than me. Him and I played Little League ball and grew up real close together across the fields on the farm. And um, I've known Wayne ever since grade school. Dick Schneer is Wayne's dad, and Dick was our Little League coach 50 years ago. So I've stayed in touch with him, and I truly respect both of them for all the help and their dedication to the game. Um, both of those are in the Dubuque County Baseball Hall of Fame. Wayne has a contributor as well as an umpire, and also Dick has a player from many years ago. That's awesome. I was going to ask you if Wayne is up for MVP consideration. I've seen that he's been filling in for umpires that haven't shown. I've seen he's been live tweeting. He's been keeping score. Is he up for consideration of MVP or not? I'm trying to promote him as much as I can. Um, I'd be lost without him. He does that live tweeting on his iPad. It's an iScore scoring system, so it has inning-by-inning updates. And um, the, the first night he got called into umpire just simply because an umpire double-booked. 
So we were a little unprepared for that one. And then the other night we had an umpire no show. So Wayne went down on the field and then I ran the I-score program under his account. So it seemed to work out pretty good. A lot of people wondered how he was doing it from the field, but it, uh, it was good. We like to keep uh, the fans not at the games updated as to how our scores are going. You guys do a great job. I refreshed my Twitter account many times uh, following those games. So tomorrow night we have, or if you listen to, if you listen on Saturday, Saturday the twenty seventh, we have the championship game, and it is between the Dyersville Whitehawks and the Zawingle Suns. What time does that game start? I believe it's a nine-inning game, and tell us about the paths that those teams had to take to get to the championship. Yeah, our um, our championship night was originally scheduled all along for Saturday, June twenty seventh. Those the consolation game is scheduled for five o'clock, and then the championship game at six thirty or thereabouts. And um, we were scheduled to have our semifinal actions games tonight but in following the forecast all week long they were predicting heavy storms late afternoon showers and everything so with our thursday night being open for a rain makeup night we decided to move our semifinals ahead a night which is something we've never done and i'm not sure any other tournament has done that we simply wanted to beat the rain by a night and i think it's paid off um, we did get some rain on our field here today on Friday, and it was really, really wet yet at 5 o'clock when I went down there. So it may not have been playable, or else it would have taken a lot of work to get it ready for those scheduled semifinal games tonight. So our championship game is a nine-inning game. The consolation game is always just a seven-inning game. So that's how we've done it for years. And what were the Zawingle Suns' path to get there? Who were some of the teams that they beat? Wales had a very interesting pass. Um, uh, up in our booth, we begin to call them the, the comeback kids. In the first round, they were trailing Placid 8 to nothing. after four innings. They were one inning away from the mercy rule elimination. We have an eight-run rule after five. And uh, they started scoring a little bit, and then the game got close, and they ended up winning the game. 12 to 8. So that was a huge comeback for them, outscoring Placid by um, 12 runs. Their second round game was against the host team, Worthington, and they won that game 4 to 3. They were trailing um, 3 to 1 for most of the game. They got two runs in the sixth inning and one in the top of the seventh to win it. So that was a nice comeback win for them. And then last night, they were um, trailing two to nothing to Rickardsville, and they ended up scoring, and they rallied to win that game four to two. So all three of Zwingle's wins have been come from behind wins. And their manager, I interviewed him for their semi-pro season preview, manager Althoff. He just seems like he's a great guy. And they face the Dyersville Whitehawks, and they have one of my favorite players, of all time nice kid great hitter connor closterman what was the dyersville whitehawks path to get to the championship yeah i agree with you connor's done a really good job 
here um, for his first year with the Whitehawks. Um, he's, he's picked up some new guys, and he's got some of the returners from last year, and it seems they're all contributing. So Darcel started out um, in the bottom bracket, obviously, with a real tough game against Bellevue, and they won that one 4-2. to And then they, they advanced to the second round, and they played Cascade, and that was a two to one game. And that was really an interesting game because Darzo won the game with two solo home runs by Austin Savory in that game. So he, he accounted for all their scoring in that game. That was a real tight, well played game throughout. And then last night in the um, semifinal game, they led Piasta two to nothing, and Piasta scored. Um, two runs in the top of the seventh to tie it up. And then Darzo won it in the bottom of the seventh on a walk-off single by T.J. Deardorff. So that was another nail-biting game that we've had. We've had a lot of uh, real fun, close games throughout the tournament. It has been a great tournament. And in typical semi-pro fashion form, I loved uh, J.J. Conley's tweet of the Placid Pirates when they lost to the Zwingle Suns. Uh, that that uh, had me rolling that night and into the next morning. Now, I have been following you and Wayne on Twitter, and there have been some fantastic games. The one that stood out to me was the pitcher's duel that Andrew Redman had with Piasta, and I believe it was against Connor Grant. I, I believe Andrew Redman threw 148 pitches. I saw him the next night at the Western Dubuque senior baseball game, and his arm was so sore he had to hold his radar gun up with his left hand. But tell us a little bit about that game and then some of the other outstanding games that took place in the 72nd Worthington Tournament. Yeah, that, that game, I made a little list of um, notes regarding some of our games. Behind that one, it was game eight, the last one in the first round, I put classic. Piazza won one to nothing on an RBI triple by Juan Munoz of Piazza. And um, Red stayed in the whole game. And, and I believe you were close on your 148. We had him, I think, for 156. Oh, 156. And okay. He, he stayed in throughout. And I think he was throwing harder the last three innings than he was at the beginning of the game. And it was, it was just your classic um, pitchers duel. Connor Grant. Through the first seven innings, um, allowed no runs, and then Goodman came in and uh, he got the win. But it was it was really a tight, close game, and the fans were really into it. So that was one of my favorites of the tournament so far. What were some other great games that, if you had to pick the top three games, so two other games that you could pull that will go down have, the memory book? Yeah, I have game four which in the first round, it was Rickardsville beating Balltown. Uh, that was another extra inning game, and that went, that went nine innings. Rickardsville had numerous chances throughout the game. They had left 16 men on base in the first eight innings, and they finally poked one through in the ninth, so that was kind of nice. And then the next um, game in the first round, Cascade beat Dubuque. That was also a one nothing game in nine innings. And Cascade won that on a sacrifice fly by Austin Gale in the top of the ninth. And then Dubuque actually had the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth, so it was tight till the very end. So that was another good one there then, too. And we saw. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Gary. That's pretty much the highlights of the games. 
that I had noted that were really fun and close throughout. And we know that semi-pro tournaments, they have awards that they'll give. I know in the Farley tournament, they named the MVP award um, after a super fan. Now, what are some of the awards that the Worthington tournament has? What um, Do they have any special names toward former players or fans? And who would be some of the front runners right now for those awards? Um, Worthington... Um kind of takes pride in the player awards that it has. Being this is the 72nd year, I think we've kind of carried on the tradition of the awards that they've had throughout the years. Some of them are kind of trivial, kind of fun awards, but um, we also have some pretty much based off performance too. Um, we have a player making the most spectacular defensive play in the tournament. That's always a good one because, you know, it covers 16 games and we have to watch basically every play. And then we have uh, some of the simple ones, like a player scoring the most runs in the tournament, a player getting the most hits in the tournament, the most home runs in the tournament, and the most RBIs and the highest batting average, of course. Um, then we have three pretty important ones. We consider the most outstanding manager in the tournament, one of them. And then we have the outstanding pitcher of the tournament award. He gets $100, and we only implemented that maybe five or ten years ago. Because um, we had just the MVP back in those days. And for the most part, that went to batters. And we felt some of the pitchers were getting cheated for starting two or three games and, and really not getting awarded for it or rewarded for it. So um, we've added that most outstanding pitcher. And it can one guy can win them both, actually. He can win the most valuable player as well. So the most valuable player also gets $100 plus a trophy. In the tournament and i'd like to uh, really acknowledge our local merchants we have you know we're a small town of 400 people but we have businesses that really support this tournament and all of our baseball programs in town they volunteer to work and um we have kind of a unique setup in the way we run our tournament our town team has to run the stand and work for two of the eight nights but then all of our other levels of girls softball, boys little league, Babe Ruth, they all take a turn working the stand in one night too. So all the proceeds go into one fund at the end of the year. And then that in turn pays for new uniforms, new balls, umpires, lights, you know, as we go along. So it's a real community effort. Everyone gets along well and, and there's so much dedication. It, it just makes everybody's jobs go a lot easier with all that help that we have. That's awesome. I know talking to Tyler Soigling, who used to be a semi-proer, who, who is now in Phoenix, Arizona, he always shared that that is his favorite tournament of the year to play in. Who are some of the front runners that have had an outstanding tournament so far? Um, there's been um, quite a few guys that have hit really well, and in no particular order. Uh, we have Travis Lyons. Soigling was 6 for 12. He's, he's had a nice tournament for them. Riley Legrand, he's been really steady for Darzel. He's 5 for 10. Uh, Juan Munoz of Piasta is 5 for 11. He had the game-winning RBIs in the first two games for the Cubs, and he's been just really steady for them. And then, of course, Austin Savory of Darzel. He's 4 for 10, but he had those two big home runs, and he's also pitched well. And then Isaac Evans of um, Twinkle, he's an outstanding leadoff man. He's only three for eight, but he has five stolen bases and four walks. So 
he's the heart of their offense. He, he's fun to watch. And um, as for the pitchers, you have some, and I'm sure we're going to gain more into the mix tomorrow night. That was kind of one of the things I liked about taking tonight off because it gives these championship teams one more night for their pitchers to rest and um, hopefully work these guys in. So we had Jeff Steele of Rickardsville. He's pitched nine innings and has a zero seven eight ERA. He's he's really done well in relief for Rickardsville. McGuire Fitzgerald for Zwingle has started two games and he's um, two and zero with a one fifty ERA. And then Austin Savory of Darsville, he's one and zero, but he started two games and he's got sixteen strikeouts and a two four seven ERA. And there's a lot of other guys that have pitched some innings and had a lot of strikeouts, but without going through all of them, they'll, they'll change before the final awards are handed out tomorrow night. And Gary, I saw a tweet from the TH Sports feed that they're going to feature an article about Mitch Williams back in 1999 came and pitched for Farley in the Worthington tournament. That was actually my first semi-pro game I ever went to. And I believe Mitch Williams hit the first hitter he faced. And I, I believe you guys set a record for the amount of kegs you guys went through. But what do you remember about uh, that experience having former Cub? And, and the thing that, that kind of drives me nuts about Mitch Williams is, is he's really known for the home run that he gave up to Joe Carter in the World Series, but he did have a pretty good uh, big league career uh, leading up to that. But what are some things that we'll read about in the article or some things that you remember from that time before we make a prediction on the championship game and we get out of here? Um, I remember well, that was 1999. That was the 50th anniversary of our tournament, and we did a lot of fun things that year. Um, we had different our past queen candidates come into town one night. We had past MVPs, and we had kind of promotional events each and every night. And in that tournament, we decided that teams had to have set rosters. I believe it was 15 players. So everyone um, either called or mailed in their rosters to me. And Farley was one of the last teams to turn in their rosters, and I needed to get those finalized. And I believe Paul Sherman was out of town or out of the country possibly for a ghost event. And I think um, his son, Mike, called me with his roster and I wrote them all down. And the last guy he mentioned was Mitch Williams. And I kind of chuckled. I said, yeah, Mitch Williams is a cop guy. Huh? And he said, yeah, it actually is. I said, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, he said, "That's we got him just for one night. It was a Sunday night game against Rickardsville. And the... Um, the agreement was we could we had to play that game on Sunday night or Mitch would not be available. So we were all caught up on our Thursday, Friday, Saturday games. And then we got some rain on Sunday morning. So we went up to Darsville to, I believe, Tyson's and bought a bunch of plastic disclean-like material and covered our infield just to keep the infield dry. And, and it helped us. It, it definitely paid for itself. So we tore that off like three or four in the afternoon and our infield was dry and we got the games um, started on time. And, and I remember Rickardsville was very competitive that they bonded on him a lot, I remember. And uh, Rickardsville won the game. I believe Williams took himself out after three innings. And I remember him standing behind a third base dugout 
just talking to fans and kids and signing autographs and he was real classy about the whole thing. So we had like 2000 people at that game and uh, it was on a Sunday night. That's back when we were selling cake beer instead of canned beer. And we did go through 30 kegs of beer on a Sunday night. So it was, it was a good night for everybody involved. That's awesome. Now, do you know how how they came to get him to come to pitch? Uh, was he a friend of somebody? Was he passing through town? Do you know that, or, or not? Or are you not sure? I'm pretty sure it was Scott Harris had the connection. Um, Scott has a lot of people that he knows with his golf cart industry, and somehow he got a hold of him for that. So we're very thankful for it. Yeah, that's awesome. They're still talking about it uh, 20 years later, correct? Now, do you feel comfortable making a prediction on the championship game, or, or do you want to leave that to me? Um, no, I don't feel comfortable because I really wouldn't know which one to pick. Zwingle's been a very, very good ball team this year. They got second, I believe, in Bellevue. And they did. The more, I, the more I watch them, the more I realize how balanced they are. And they have good pitching, and, and they're, they're a nice team. And Darzel seems to play really good defense and with good pitching, so I feel it could go either way. I, I, was, right. I was thinking that same thing, but I, I've made it a point that I'm going to make a prediction on all semi-pro championship games, and I'm currently 1-1 one and one right now. I did uh, pick against Key West, and Andrew Redmond let me know about it the next day when he sent me a text message saying, you never pick against Key West in a championship game. But I am going to say that the Dyersville Whitehawks are going to beat the Zwingle Suns 5-2. to two. Best of luck to the Dyersville Whitehawks and the Zwingle Suns in the championship game. And thank you to Gary Langle for joining me and promoting the Worthington Tournament. Don't forget to check out Jim Leitner's article about the appearance that Mitch Williams made at the Worthington Tournament 20 years ago. 6-4-3, we're out of here. Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.